I don't care if God ever shows me that this is for my good. I get to believe it. It's part of me. It's down in my toes. It's what the Bible says. Don't take that away from me. If, if God takes all, it takes everything, leave me the scriptures and don't let me ever doubt them. Larry was a turning point in my life. Larry came to see that God justifies the ungodly. It became the center of his whole life and through Larry, mine. There's one thing he never overlooked and that was Christ saves sinners. Larry was convinced in his bones that Christianity was about Christ. I'll never be grateful enough for the message that Larry Horton left me because it was nothing less than the message of Christianity. Welcome to the Timeless Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Faith Ann, and Larry Horton was my dad. The deepest connection I had with my dad was through his teaching of the gospel. My dad communicated grace more deeply and simply than most. These sermons came to be preserved through my dear Aunt Shirley, who, in the early 80s, requested that my dad's sermons be recorded on cassette tapes and mailed to her so that she could be edified from five states away. When Larry died and went home to be with the Lord in 2019, my Aunt Shirley came to the funeral and brought with her the very sermons this podcast was created to showcase. The remaining sermons were preached in the early 2000s at the church he pastored until he died. His children's prayer is that you will come to Christ through these sermons, or if you already are a Christian, be edified and comforted as so many were during his life. In this episode, Larry continues teaching through Romans, beginning in chapter 3. His sermon covers the first eight verses. After the sermon, you'll hear a piano interlude, and then I welcome Joy back to the podcast. The theological scope of our discussion reaches far and wide as we cover God's sovereignty and judgment, salvation, and God's grace in the Christian life for believers. Stick around and hear Larry's influence come through in our discussion, and hear a great story as well. Finally, the episode ends with Joy's daughter Mandolin playing her arrangement of It Is Well With My Soul. Do you have a question about a sermon or about the podcast? Email me at thetimelessgospel at gmail.com. That's the timeless gospel at gmail.com. Romans chapter 3. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for the scene that Apostle John has written for us in Revelation chapter 4. We ask that by faith we become a real part in that. I pray that each one of us here learns more about how to worship you, to recognize your worth and, and who you are. It's such a privilege to come and and, and to worship your name, to worship your glory. And Father, we just pray, as, as happy as we are with those who are here, we realize that, that there are many around the world who are doing that very thing collectively right now, and that we may enter into a, a greater understanding and a, be a more part of this worship time. We just pray, Father, that, that you would bring families into our congregation, that we may share with them your glory, that we may worship with them. We thank you again for the writings of the book of Romans, and we just pray at this time that you will calm our minds and our hearts, that we can uh, do away with the thoughts of the, of the world, at least for this small portion of time, that you may teach us from your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now last week, I got off the subject just a little bit. Paul introduced a doctrine, if you will, that he's going to develop in, in, at great lengths over in Romans 9, 10, and 11. But here he made the statement that not all Israel is Israel, 
that you're not a Jew because you're one outwardly, but because you're one inwardly. And because of that, Paul introduced it here. I felt like I would like to introduce the same thing last week. We kind of got off our outline a little bit. We're talking about the judgment of God. Now, this week, Paul spends a lot of time talking about religious people. Now, it's pretty easy to understand uh, that the atheist is going to be judged by God. The guy that doesn't recognize creation, he's going to be judged by God. The guy that makes judgments and does the very same thing, he's going to be judged by God. The person who's never heard of Christ and yet uh, has disobeyed the laws of his own land is going to be judged by God. There's not a lot of uh, defense there. There's not a lot that, that uh, anyone can bring up. The thing you would say is, yes, God, that's true. And, uh, but when you come to religious people, there's a lot of uh, arguments. There's a lot of things that religious people can bring up to God to say, well, now, wait, God, you can't judge me because of this. So now Paul is, is introduced into our, our study, the religious people, here being primarily the Jewish nation. So now he's going to, the Holy Spirit, by the pen of Paul, and the mind of Paul, is going to bring up four questions. We talked about the ungodly, and there were no questions. That's true. We talked about the moral man who made judgments. Uh, no questions. That's true. We talked about the one who suppresses the truth of God. That's true. But now we're talking about the religious man. Paul doesn't want anyone thinking that they're going to have an argument before God. So this week, he's going to bring up four questions, four different questions concerning this judgment of God. And that's where we're going this morning. Let's read uh, chapter 3, 1 through, seven, uh, 1 through 8. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then, if some did not believe? Their unbelief will not nullify their faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy words, and mightest prevail when thou art judged, or enter into judgment. <clears throat> but if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in, in human terms. May it never be. For otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if through my lie, the truth of God abounded to his glory, why am I also still being found judged as a sinner? And why not say, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. Okay, now last week, Paul introduced the, the religious person in the form of a Jew, form of the nation Israel. And, and he said that being a Jew is not going to save you. It has absolutely no, there's no help whatsoever in salvation, or, escape, or I may say there's no help in escaping the judgment of God by being a Jew. There's neither any help in escaping the judgment of God by being circumcised. Wow. Uh, even as much priority God put on circumcision throughout the Old Testament, Paul is now saying, even if you're circumcised, you're not going to escape the judgment of God. So, being a Jew doesn't help you. Being circumcised doesn't help you. Who were circumcised? Only the Jews. It was part of the covenant. It was, it was part and partial with their worship. It was part and partial with their so-called salvation. And now Paul is saying, being a Jew, you do not escape the judgment of God. Being circumcised, you do not escape the judgment of God. 
Well, then what advantage has the Jew? What's the big deal? We know of all the proselytes in the Old Testament that came to, the, to be Jews. Uh, why, why did they do that? If there's, if there's no uh, uh, benefit in being a Jew. And then we changed the words a little bit last week. We looked at the church member. There is, there is absolutely no benefit in being a church member as far as salvation is concerned. And if you turn it around negatively, there's absolutely no benefit in escaping the judgment of God by being a church member. And there's absolutely no benefit whatsoever in being baptized as far as escaping the judgment of God. Well, then what advantage is there in being a church member? Oh, it's great in every respect. First of all, we have the Bible. That's what Paul is saying. Uh, the gals and I had a real brief conversation last night, very brief, on, on Christian schools. And we can say, I'd like to, to say this about Christian schools. By being in a Christian school, there is no way you will escape the judgment of God, and there's no way that you will be saved by being in a Christian school. I will go further to say that there is no sanctification to a believer in a Christian school. You're not sanctified by going to a Christian school. There is no extra special blessings by going to a Christian school. A Christian school does absolutely nothing for you spiritually. We are saved by God's grace and we are sanctified by God's grace. Well then what advantage is there in going to a Christian school? Oh, it's great in every respect. First of all, they have the law of God. There are rules in the Christian schools. I'm talking about the right on ones. I'm not talking about those that, that, that just have a front to raise money. I'm talking about those who are trying to educate and who are trying to have some form of, of biblical uh, uh, environment for their students to, to study in and to learn from. Believe me, I've been there. I know what the public school is like in the ninth grade. That's, that's as far as these boys and girls are concerned. If you didn't have a girlfriend and you didn't have a boyfriend, you just weren't with it. You weren't part of the in group if you weren't going steady with somebody. Once more, going steady with someone wasn't good enough. You had to be all over them all the time. You had to be inseparable walking down the halls. People couldn't get through because you're just all over each other. It, it, you know, and you had to do this. It was fun, don't get me wrong, but, but at the same time, you just weren't in unless you had a girl you could just hang on and slobber over all day long. Well, you can't do that in a Christian school. There's the benefit. They put no emphasis on going steady. They try to, they try to legislate, as bad as that is, it's still as good as they can do, they try to legislate around that, that kind of environment for these young kids who are, are, who are just now getting into the, the stream of social activity. It's much better if you don't go steady than if you do. The Christian schools understand that. Okay, moving from the Christian schools back into the church. A church member won't help you. Being baptized won't help you. Well, then what advantages are coming to church? What advantages are in being part of a church? It's great in every respect. We have the law of God. We have the scriptures. We're up here preaching and teaching uh, truth just by coming doesn't matter. We're going to get into this even more in a moment. Okay, then what advantage is there in being a Jew? And what advantage is there in being circumcised? It's great in every respect. First of all, they had the oracles of God. They had the Old Testament. In Paul's day, 
People were discerning the will of God and the future by all kinds of crazy ways. They'd watch snakes curl. And by the way they wiggled, they could figure out the will of God. By the way they wiggled, they could figure out the future. They watched birds as they flew away. If they flew this way, it meant something. If they flew that way, it meant something else. They watched fish swim. If a fish swam that way, it meant this. If it swam that way, it meant that. And we think, well, that's ridiculous. We're doing the same thing today. The world is doing the same thing today. We, we roll the dice. We cut the cards. Uh, we look at the stars. Uh, all this, you know, just ridiculous stuff. The church has the revealed will of God. The world does not. Jew, the Jews had it. Now, the Jew asked, okay, Paul, I'm not going to go to hell because... Because I'm a Jew. I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm a Jew. I'm going to go to hell if I don't believe and all. But now, I was part of this, this Bible translation. I was part of this Bible thing. Now, if the Bible is such a great thing, and I, I believe the Bible, I believe in the Bible, well then, and God's still going to send me to hell even though I believe in the Bible. Uh, does that make God unjust? God says, believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. Am I going to go to hell? God's got to be unjust in that way. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 1, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. They had the Bible. It's interesting. Again, in Paul's day, I, I learned this some years ago. I think it's quite humorous. <clears throat> they had these people who were called augurs. Augurs. In the Roman uh, uh, Empire, they were men of uh, renown. They were men of authority. And they were called augurs. They said like city councilmen. They were augurs. And they, 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 they told everybody, okay, it's time to proceed. It's, it's, they were men of influence, augurs. The word augur means bird hawk. As these people were watching birds and everything, there were augurs who could, who could uh, uh, tell the future by, by what the birds said. And they were called augurs. And they moved it into their, into their government and they were called augurs. I find it very interesting that whenever the first day or whenever it is that our president becomes president, we have an inauguration, which has got in the word, in the middle of it, the word augur. We have the bird talk. Another thing we have is, is the word auspices. <laughs> or the auspices. Or this is a very auspicious occasion. This is a very auspicious occasion. Or the... Uh, the uh, uh, hunters were meeting under the auspices of the uh, uh, Rifle Association. Aus auspices means bird watch. We, we put these great big words up there and we think they, they mean something and all they are is getting back to this old religion of watching birds and, and, and being concerned about birds. Others would cut the birds up and look at their inward parts to find out the will of God and to find out the will of their God and, and to find out the will of or the, the prophecies that would come true. The Jews didn't do that. The Jews had the word of God. But even though the Jews had the word of God, we're going on. <clears throat> what then if some did not believe? Verse 3. Now this word believe leads us astray. The Greek, the much better word here would be unfaithfulness. What if some were unfaithful to the Word of God? What then if some did not believe? Their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? 
Here's, here's Paul's argument. You say this Bible's such a great thing. There's all kinds of people here who are unfaithful to it. They're unfaithful to the truth of it. And put it in our day. I would bet all I have that even in the city of Moore, you will find many, many people who would die rather than to denounce that this was the inspired Word of God. I believe they're all over this city. I believe they're all over this state, this nation, and the world. There are all kinds of people who will die rather than say that this is not the Word of God, the inspired, literal Word of God, the inerrant Word of God. And yet these very people who would die for it are unfaithful to it. They, don't, they, don't, they do not practice what's in there. They do not believe what's in there. That's the way the Jews were. They were real proud of the fact that they had the Bible, that they had the prophets. But they killed the prophets and they wouldn't believe the Bible. In uh, Nehemiah's day, you can find this in the Old Testament. You students can look it up. In Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's day, there was a congregation that rejoiced because they, could find, they found a copy of the Bible. Now that's how, that's how, what they thought about the Bible. In Nehemiah's day, there was only one copy of the whole thing. They didn't care anything about this Bible. They claimed it was from God. They claimed it was, and they would have died for the fact that they had the Bible. They had the Old Testament. They had the, the covenant. They had the prophets. They had Moses. They had all these folks. But they did not, they did not listen. They, they were unfaithful to what it said. They were unfaithful to what it said. In our day, we have thousands upon thousands of men and women who will die for the fact that this is the Word of God and they won't believe what it says. They preach that, that man is basically good. And the Bible preaches that man is basically dead. Well, he's not even basically dead. He is dead. They preach that man is sovereign over God. That God that they preach that God is a failure. They preach that God wants all men to be saved. And yet, God's waiting on them to make up their minds what they're going to do. Uh, they preach that the Holy Spirit is like a trinket. They preach that it's, it's almost uh, superstitious. That it, if they, they can get the Holy Spirit to do things for them. When the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is God Almighty, the sovereign God Almighty who invades our lives and regenerates us. Uh, they preach that, uh, that, that God wants all people to be saved and that Christ came down here and provided a way in which all men could be saved. And yet the Bible preaches and teaches clearly that, that Christ came and, and made a way in which people are saved. There is power in the blood. 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 And yet the people who would die saying that this is the word of God have absolutely no power. Give no credence, no power to the blood of Christ. They say that, 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 that God is so impotent he can't be faithful. It's up to them to live and, and, and to persevere. And if they persevere, God will save them in the end. But God really, really is so impotent, he can't save, he can't keep them. The Bible teaches that God is going to finish what he started. That everything, everything under the sun is working out after the counsel of his own will. And they say, no, that's not true. They're unfaithful to the word of God. No different than the Jews in Paul's day. They believe that this is the word of God and they'll die for it. But they do not, they're unfaithful to the teachings of it. So, in verse 3, what then if some did not believe? Their unbelief will nullify the, 
their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never, never be. Just to give you one example of what the Word of God says, and you probably have heard this before, but I find it, I find it so uh, uh, mind-boggling. If we'll turn, please, to, to, to the 67th Psalm, that was never, ever, ever, any. there's not one word in Scripture showing that the Jews, the nation Israel, was to keep the uh, benefits of God to themselves any more than the church is to keep the benefits of God to itself. The church should be missionary-minded. The Jews were supposed to be missionary-minded. So we read it, they, they were to take the law of God and they were to, to present it to the nations. They took the law of God and they didn't do a thing with it. They just hid it. Verse 1, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known on the earth. Thy salvation among who? All nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou wilt judge the people with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. The earth has yielded its produce. God our God, bless us. God bless us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. That was the commission of the Jews, was to send the blessings, uh, to send the message of, of, of God to the nations. And we know in Christ's day, it's written, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. They were unfaithful. They were unfaithful to the word of God. Now, this word unbelief, we're going to look at that word over in Romans 9, 10, and 11. But for now, Paul is saying, yes, they had the, there is benefit in being a Jew in the fact you had the Word of God. But the Word of Paul, the Word of God didn't do any good because the people were unfaithful toward it. Does that make God unfaithful? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true even though every man be found a liar. Now, many commentators say that this is the most difficult passage in Romans. And I feel, I'm not, I'm not a theologian, but I kind of feel that the reason they say that is because they're wanting more of an answer than what Paul gives. Uh, Paul simply says, May it never be, rather let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. God is going to be found true. Don't come up here judging me, God says. God must be found true, even though every man is found a liar that thou mightest be justified in thy words and mightest prevail when thou enter into judgment. Verse 5, is, okay, that's the, the, the first question is, what advantage is, in, is there in being a Jew? And that question, the answer to that question is, you've got the Bible. You've got the ways of God. You've got the will of God. Okay, the second question is, but they didn't do anything with it. They didn't do anything with it. And the fact that they didn't do anything with it, does that make God unfaithful? Paul says, absolutely not. God will be found true if every man is found a liar. Well, all right, verse, uh, verse 5. They were, they were unfaithful. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. As I, I think I told Penny, I may have told all of you, uh, as we go through Romans, uh, it was told to me this way years ago 
play like there's a little man just off the side of the page. And this little man is asking these questions. Now we know that the Holy Spirit is, ask, is asking these questions so that we can uh, find the answers so that we can see that no man can, can deny the, the judgment of God. But I'm amazed at this, since I heard that, I'm amazed at this little man and how smart he is and how devious he is. Okay. There's no advantage in being a Jew as far as spiritually. Well, then what advantage is there in being a Jew? Oh, it's, there's great in every respect. First of all, you've got the Word of God. Yeah, but the Jews were unfaithful to the Word of God. Does that make God unfaithful? Of course not. God's going to be found true if every man is a liar. Well, okay, God's going to judge, you say, Paul. Is that right? That's right. God's going to judge. Well, in order for God to judge, he's going to have to have somebody to judge. Is that right, Paul? Yes, that's right. Well, then why is God finding fault with the Jews if he's got to have somebody to judge? They're working right into his plan. That's what, that's what the little man is asking now. Let me ask you, is there prophecy in the Old Testament that says definitely that Judas would betray Christ? There is. God determined that Judas would betray Christ. Did, in fact, Judas betray Christ? Yes, he did. Is Judas the only one of the one of the few or the only man in Scripture that we know of that plainly Scripture says went to hell? Yes, he is. So we knew we know that Judas was prophesied in the Old Testament. We know that he fulfilled the prophecy, and we know he went to hell. The question is, well, God, if you determined all this to take place, why are you sending him to hell? That's what the little man's asking. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? And this, this has been the line of Scripture all the way through the Old Testament. God has tried to show us this in the Old Testament. God would bring great blessing upon Israel because of their obedience to, the, to His laws, His ceremonial laws and His moral laws, the Ten Commandments. And they would rise up. And as, they, as God would bless them, they would get further and further and further away from, from the truth of God, from the worship of God, and from obedience to His laws. And right at the peak, God would bring judgment. And down they would go. And the minute they got down, God would bless them again. And bless them and bless them and bless them. And they would, they would become more obedient to His laws and worship Him and make the sacrifices they were supposed to. And God would bless them and bring about great blessing and great wealth. And as they got up... Then, then they would lose it again. All the way through Scripture, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, of Jewish people, have died over this very fact, God bringing judgment upon them. I don't know if I can reach this or not. I hope I can. I'll do it left-handed. The whole Old Testament runs just like this. If you were to have a graph, all the way through it, it's just like that. And right down here at the lowest that Israel was, the very lowest in their captivity, in their, in their rebellion, in, in their total lowest state, God would bring blessing every single time. Every single time. And, and they would rise up, and at the very height of their freedom, let's call it, of their own government, of their wealth, and, and their judges, and, and, and all the, their kings, and all these things, at the very height, God would bring judgment again. And down they would fall. And up and down, up and down, all the way through the Old Testament, you can see this. Uh, which brings me to a, a kind of an offshoot point. When, I don't know who said this, but I, I agree 100%. When you feel the closest to God, 
when you feel the closest to God, chances are you're further away from God than you've ever been. And when you feel the furthest from God, chances are at that time you're closer to God than you've ever been. Uh, it, it, we need to find out the, the mind of God and how He works. But anyway, the point being is all through the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, God was glorified in bringing judgment against His people. Let's turn to uh, the previous point once more. Let's turn to Deuteronomy. If you don't want to turn there, I'll, I'll turn there for you and read it. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Now this is a prophecy that God gave Moses. Verse 14 of chapter 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time for you to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting that I may commission him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. And the Lord, and the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and in the pillar of cloud stood at the doorway of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the harlot with the strange gods of the land unto the midst of which they are going, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger will, will be kindled against them in, the, in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they shall be consumed, and many evils and troubles shall come upon them, so that they will say in, th in that day, Is it not because our God is not among us that these evils have come upon us? But I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil which they will do, for they will turn to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. Put it on their lips in order that this song may be a witness for me against the sons of Israel. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and are satisfied and become prosperous, then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spun me and break my covenant. Then it will shall come about when many evils and troubles have come upon them that they that this song will be testify before them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants. For I know their intent, which they are de developing today, before I have brought them into the land which I, which I swore. So Moses wrote this song in the same day and taught it to the sons of Israel. This is exactly what happened. Right on through the Old Testament, they were, uh, they were, uh, the wrath of God was brought about through the Philistines, through Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Emperor Titus in the year 70 AD overran Jerusalem. The Mohammeds built a, a, a temple on the very place where, where the Jewish temple was supposed to be. They have been overrun. The wrath of God is upon them. The judgment of God is upon them because they will not obey His law. They will not, they will not obey His law. They will, and I'm not in any way saying that we're, that we're under that same kind of covenant. We're not. But nevertheless, they will not obey His, His law. They will not be faithful to His word. And so God brings about judgment to bring about His own glory. God gets glory out of judgment. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is He? I'm speaking in human terms. Men are saved and men are justified by the grace of God. Men are sanctified by the grace of God. God is faithful. God came to Abraham. And Abraham, very quickly, after God came to him, showed tremendous acts of cowardness. Turned his wife over to an ungodly king twice. 
just because he was afraid of the king. God said, don't you ever leave this land. And, the, and God sent a plague a minute. The famine came up and, and Abraham immediately raced down to Egypt. And th hundreds and thousands of years later, I suppose hundreds of years later, the only reason those looking at it from the human viewpoint, the reason the children of Israel got hung up down there as slaves in Israel, in Egypt, was because of Abraham's trip to begin with. And God told him, never go down there. We find all through Abraham's life, failure, 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 failure. Abraham had a son named Isaac. God clearly told Isaac who would get the birth, birthright. Isaac said, no, God, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to give it to my favorite son. I know more about what's going on than you do, God. I'm going to give it to my son uh, Esau. Isaac had a son named Jacob. The very name means con man. Jacob was a con. He was a no good. He was a, a, a mama's boy. Uh, he, had, uh, he had no gumption. He had no willpower. He did not stand up to anybody. He was a coward. He thought he could talk his way out of everything and deal his way out of everything. Here's a picture of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are saved by the grace of God, and we are sanctified by the grace of God. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. And now we come to verse, may it never be, for otherwise, how will God judge the world? The way God judges the world is through uh, black velvet. Have you ever seen, have you have any fine lace in your home? You probably do, don't you, Penny? Have fine lace. Well, you hold that fine lace up, and it, it doesn't look like a whole lot. It just is pretty. But you put that fine lace up against black velvet, and you can see, see all the little inter, interwoven knots and things. Same way a jeweler uh, uh, demonstrates his, his, uh, his wares, demonstrates his diamonds. He just doesn't have a diamond by itself. He's got it up against that black velvet. Well, the nation Israel is God's black velvet. And he demonstrates his glory in the black velvet of judgment. And the little man on the side of the page is, if we're your velvet, why are you judging us? And the answer is, I've got to judge you because you are my black velvet. And I'm not unrighteous in judging you because you're, you're nothing but sinners anyway. And then we come to the last, the last argument, one that I am very glad that's in the Bible, and I'll close with this, with this one. Verse 7. But if through my lie the truth of God abounded to his glory, why am I also being judged as a sinner? Much along the same argument. And why not say as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. Several times in my ministry, people have accused me of that very thing. You're preaching, let's do evil that good may come. You're preaching that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Uh, I, I don't take, uh, I don't get hurt over that because I feel like I'm preaching what Paul preached because that's the very thing they were saying about Paul. The very same, same thing they were saying about Paul. Let's do evil that good may come. Let's be antinomian. We hear that word bandied around so much. I just wish those that used it would know more about what the word meant. It means lawlessness. I don't advocate lawlessness in any way even though I maintain to the death that we're under grace and not law. 
I was in a church in California, a small church, 40 or 50 people coming. And uh, this was several years ago. And that Paradise, California is where we were. And it was the home grounds of the Seventh-day Adventists. They had a big, uh, that was their headquarters. And there were many, many Seventh-day Adventists around this part of the, the country, many. And there was this publication that, that started coming out. I forget the name of it. Was it Present Truth? Maybe that was it. I, Present Truth. Present Truth magazine, and it was written by a Seventh-day Adventist, and it was sent out to all the Seventh-day Adventist people. And uh, it was some real good stuff in there. I got all their copies, and I read them. There, there was some real good stuff on justification. And the point this man was trying to make, and I believe his name was White, I'm not sure, was that men are justified by faith. Justified by faith. Justified by faith. And many of the Seventh-day Adventist people were getting this magazine and they were learning the scriptures concerning what, what, uh, what uh, justification was. And they were wanting to, to, to leave the Seventh-day Adventist environment because they could see the error there. And the word was out in town that I was a preacher of justification by faith and faith alone. So they sent rep these there's about a hundred of these people that wanted to get away from their seventh day adventist at churches and and and, and fellowship and, and uh, with with a church that would believe in justification by faith they had heard that i was preaching this so they sent a delegation of three people to my church to hear me preach to see what they thought and i was in galatians and at the end of of the message these they were ladies <laughs> these ladies were violent against me I thought they were going to hit me. They, they jumped up and they were very rude. They got right to the front of the church and they started jumping all over me because I was a preacher of antinomianism. And all I was trying to show is that we are sanctified. Well, I was preaching from the, from the book of Galatians and, I, and all I was trying to show was that we, are, we live by faith. We live by the grace of God through faith and they just would not have it. And over the years, many times that, that, that same argument has come up. I'm thankful for verses 6 and 7 in Romans chapter 3. That's the very same thing that Paul was accused of. Let me say this. If Paul would preach this, that the Holy Spirit comes down and enables a man to obey the law of God, and thereby God saves him, this would never have been written. This would have never been written. Or if Paul would preach that, that the Holy Spirit comes down and enables a Christian to obey the law of God, this would have never been written. You're still giving the glory to God, the Holy Spirit, but it's still based on obedience to the law. And both statements are false. And if you say what's the truth, and that is we're, we're sanctified by the grace of God, we're blessed by God in spite of ourselves. We're blessed by God because God wants to bless us. There is this great opening for all, oh, let's do evil, that good may come. And so I feel on, on that regard, we're preaching the same message that Paul preached. Thanks, Joy, for coming back on the podcast. You're welcome. Very excited to do it again. These are so fun to do. I've been getting a lot of really good feedback from listeners that they're loving both the sermon and the discussion afterwards. That's awesome. Yeah, for me, um, when I listen to the podcast, of course, dad's lessons are monumental, you know, but then it's just that little extra touch at the end to get to hear different people's stories or, or their comments on the lessons. And I've learned a lot of 
lot about each of the guests that I didn't even know before. It just yeah. something comes out that doesn't come out in normal conversation. Right. And the story of Daniel and dad, how dad would, they would talk theology all throughout the day on the job site. I mean, that was so sweet. I didn't, had no idea that that was even. Yeah. 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 For this lesson, I want to go backwards, start at the end and move our way backwards. You have some stuff. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. Dad had a tendency a little bit to exaggerate a little bit. No. Right. Right. (laughs) And now he never exaggerated on the gospel. He never exaggerated theology, but his stories sometimes could in real life, I mean, not in just our normal everyday life, could it could tend themselves towards a little bit of exaggeration. So when he talked at the very end about the ladies coming after him, and I thought they were going to hit me. Right. I can picture, I picture a bunch of church ladies in pastel uh, dresses and hats. Yeah. And then you wonder if maybe it wasn't just dirty looks. <laughs> like, yeah. How were they really upset? <laughs> what a funny, funny sight that these ladies would be upset with Larry for preaching grace in the Christian life. It, w- it was so absurd. Why would, why would that have that reaction? Right. Tell people they're free and they get angry. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so since we're working backwards, um, I guess, I guess I could say something about that too, just about the brilliant argument. I mean, Paul, that Paul makes that dad talks about at the, at the very end of the lesson, it goes to that story of, of, of these angry women. Um, the argument at the end, uh, oh, I can't, I can't remember the, um, the verses uh, um, where Paul is being accused of saying, well, let's, let's do evil that good may come. Mm-hmm. And for dad to pick up on that, it, it, his point was, it must be that we, that, that Paul was preaching things like, not just like, he was, he was preaching, we live by faith, not law-keeping. Mm-hmm. I mean, to say something like that, like nobody really says that exact thing, but Paul was saying that, and 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 dad picked up on that. Like, it's, it's a kind of a, it's a proof that that we are preaching the right thing. Like, you know, dad would always say, um, I'm not an antinomian. I'm not for lawlessness. Uh, but I, I'm doing something right if I get accused mm-hmm. of it. Because we're, we're you know, we're, sa- we're saying, um, uh, just by saying we live by faith, uh, Christ is our life, not the law. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like these ladies... All of a sudden, people like freak out and uh, think that we are saying uh, we don't care about the law. The law is bad, and we're not saying that at all. Um, so, I, yeah, I was gonna just say something about that about um, that that argument. We're just saying what what Paul says. Yeah, he does. Larry says that at the very the very end. He says, yeah. 
I'm being uh, accused of what Paul preaches, that's fine by me. And even though the sermon doesn't focus on grace in the Christian life, because he's talking about judgment, but I will just say, I, I think too, the fear when, when people hear that they're not under law, it would be scary. Let's say I'm, I'm in the 1800s and I'm about to move out West and, you know, I'm, I'm in my bonnet, my dress, and we're, we're in the wagon and we're about to go. And I say, Hey, hun, you know, my husband, I, do they have any law out there? And he says, no, no, there's no law out there. I'm a little afraid to go on that venture. And maybe that is why it's such a, a weird response because people don't want to be around people who are lawless, but, but the law, uh, is very good to follow in a Christian. I mean, if you see a bunch of lawless Christians, that's almost a oxymoron. But if you see Christians who are ate up in their behavior and how poorly they behave and how poorly they measure up, then those Christians need to be taught some doctrine. And that's all we're trying to do. When we, t that's all Larry was trying to ever do was preach um, law and grace. I, I mean, preach grace. So, so that we're, we're free from the, uh, the measurement, not free from doing it. Right. Uh, and that came up, um, in our, our church last Sunday, someone said, uh, how, how confusing, um, or they just didn't understand when, when, uh, people would say people of our of our theology, you know, grace theology would say, um, we are free to obey. Uh, we're free to follow, uh, you know, follow the commands or whatever. We're free. And, 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 uh, the person saying this, it makes sense. They were like, what does that mean? Are we, are we free or not? You know? And I think, I think the answer is exactly what you just said. It's the measurement. It, it's, mm -hmm. We are free to to um, look at the law as someone who's not under it, and um, love it, and uh, let it you know guide their their actions. And the free part is without any fear of how how you're doing, how am I yes, doing, how are you doing, and and, and you know, and, and we we say it too. I mean, people people in our church, I've said it. When we say, well, you know, we, we should follow, we should follow the law. We should follow the Bible the best we can. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and, you know, I'm not judging you, <laughs> I say it too, but it, it's when we say the best we can, I think that we are, we're really putting ourselves back under the law when we say the best we can, because now, now you're, you're, you're you can't help, but start to look inward and, and measure. You're free from that. Right. Um, you know, toward God, um, you're completely free. A good example, um, uh, you know, we've, we've been talking about uh, adultery and, in, you know, how do you, how do you address somebody? Because it would be unwise or, or, or lacking to say, if if you have if you know somebody that that's outwardly committing adultery, they're Christian, you know, and they're wreaking havoc on their family, really, by by committing adultery, it would be lacking to say, oh, just, just 
just reckon it did. Don't worry about it. And there's a way, there's a way to handle that. And, and we do, we, we are looking at the law, you know, we would bring up the Bible. We, we would bring up, you know, that is clearly like God says that you can't do that. <laughs> but in the instance of, of adultery, it just really goes back to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you're going to start measuring, if you're going to start thinking, how am I doing? Um, you know, because you can, you can, you can think to yourself all day long. I, I don't commit adultery. I, I don't do that. Well, uh, have you ever, have you ever lingered a little bit longer? Have you ever spent about 10 more minutes, um, enjoying someone of the opposite sex, uh, their attention? Like, come on, you, you think that you are doing good toward God, toward, compared to the holy law of, God, law of God, because you're not out actually, you know, doing that act with somebody else. And that's just one example. There's all kinds of things. You know, there's so many ways that we steal. We don't have to go in okay. a grocery store and, and steal something to, to, we steal people's time. We're prideful. We're boastful. We, uh, we covet all the time. And, and the world belongs to us because we're in Christ. What, what's the what's the need to covet but we do uh that's that that's what larry understood more than anyone else not only understood grace but he understood what the law really was so for him it's it's just kind of absurd to even begin to measure right there's no way you can measure and uh i i wanted to also talk about that example of of the adultery so if you have a a man who who is doing that in your church and you so the men are going to come to him or the elder and say you know we we know the jig is up and he says oh that oh and he completely remorseful completely beside himself at his own sin and the elder says we're going to come alongside you we're going to help you work through this there may be physical consequences you may end up in divorce but we're going to be right alongside you. And he says, thank you so much. This has been a real burden. Now it's out there. I have to deal with it. And then he says, how is God ever going to forgive me for this? How can I face the people in the church? I am a horrible, rotten, no good, good for nothing sinner. And I, I blew it. Then you say Romans 6. Well, your flesh is all of those things, but you've died to that. And you're, you live in Christ. And we're going to take care of this, the, the practical matter of you, your behavior. We're not going to tolerate it, and we're going to help you, and we're going to remind you who you are in Christ. Right. Romans 6. Now, I don't, I don't think your average evangelical Christian is going to have a problem with that. Right. But when we say we're not under law, this is what they imagine. They say that they think what it is is, you know, Larry's been having an affair and the elders are talking to each other. Yeah, Larry's out there having an affair. And Elder One says, well, it's a good thing we reckon ourselves dead. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Man, we got it so good. That's what they imagined. Right. That we would right. let that go. Right. That we would just welcome him, unrepentant, that he could come right on in and say, you know, I'm under, I'm not under law. And we say, you're right. You know, that is not, not at all what we say when we say we're not under law, but we have something to tell the Christian who has stepped in it major. We have something, I think we have something to tell the Christian. Paul has something to tell the Christian that most people don't know. Right. Because they don't know, they don't understand Romans 6. 
Right. And I loved dad's, uh, dad's example, um, in the lesson of how, how good the law is his example of the, um, the school, uh, you know, a Christian school versus a regular school. And that's perfect because there's all kinds of goodness. There's all kinds of ways that the law is good and that we look to the law and, and all of that, uh, just like his example, of course, a school, a, a you know, government run public school that's going to allow, let's say, high school kids to be in the halls just completely making out with each other. I mean, you know, that like no restraint. Nobody even wants that. I mean, really, whether you're a Christian or not, like everybody would agree right. that we sh probably shouldn't have like 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, just no restraint if, if they're just going to be out in the halls. But it's it's interesting because um, that's because of the law of God. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to – Christian or not, um, it, it's the law of God. that Everybody knows that that wouldn't be good right? because the law – is good. The, and the law is hope. good. Yeah. And the law is actually uh, a grace upon mankind. You know, right. every culture has rules and laws because the conscience, uh, even the un unregenerate has conscience and has, um, and can to their ability, which is not, not righteous, but we have right and wrong. Um, that comes from the law of God. And, and Larry talked about putting the lace up against the black velvet, showing that the contrast, that's another good word, I think, contrast. The law is wonderful and good and righteous, and so are we, but there is a huge contrast between the two. So we can't water it down right. to follow it. Right, right. Um, and that is the other thing. I think I just had two more things, um, that, that I was going to talk about, but one of them was about this, the judgment and, and dad saying, uh, or talking about the, the black velvet and the lace and how he, he talks about, um, I mean, he's kind of using his own words, I think, but, but staying, staying in the text, uh, you know, God saying, or the little man on the page being upset about, you know, you, you, you made me this way, you made me the black velvet and now you're going to judge me for it. And God is like, I have to, you know, mm -hmm. sorry. Um, but I, I, I have to judge it. It, it, it's, it's unrighteousness. I, I, you know, and it was cute how dad said, um, you know, you're, God is saying, uh, you're a mess anyway. I mean, you're so sinful anyway. I mean, I'm going to judge it. <laughs> right. Um, but I just wanted to, it's a little kind of a personal thing. Um, and I know that, uh, uh, you mentioned that you'd like to have, uh, the kids, me and, and John, um, or whoever, you know, wanted to, to give their testimony and I'm not going to give my testimony right here. Cause you know, I'm be looking forward to that, but just on that, um, I'll just say that, I believe when I was saved, and I'll I'll go through all that later. But the the thought process when I was actually saved, I, I thought I was saved since I was five because I was Larry Horton's daughter, and I knew all the theology. But when I was actually saved, it was an experience um, that I'll talk about later. But then it it was about two days of of just th thinking through 
things. And part of what I was thinking through is, you know, I, I, I would die for the saying the word of God is true. Um, there was no doubt in my mind about God and the inspired word and Jesus Christ being the son of God and um, all the theology, the, the, the election and, and all that. I knew that was true. But then it just occurred to me, but man, that doesn't automatically mean that I'm elect. I could very well not be elect, be the, uh, the elect. I mean, I could very well go to hell. Even believing all this stuff is true. And then getting back to this judgment, and I believe that I was being saved during, you know, during this inner dialogue. Um, but, but what finally kind of resolved it was um, a genuine content contentness that I had with God's judgment. You know, it, I was for God. I, I was 100% for God. And even to the point of, and I remember thinking all this through, I'm thinking, I really think I'm saved. I really think I'm being saved right now. But, you know, that's just, that's just my feelings. I mean, I feel like I am. But what if a year from now, like this was all just a, you know, I don't know, but it doesn't matter because I was for God. I was for God being glorified even if I ended up in hell. I was for his, his judgment, his righteous judgment. Okay. Now, <laughs> we don't give awards for Christianity around here. Cheryl's like, she needs a sticker, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> she needs a sticker for that. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't say it for Joy. that reason. <laughs> Joy, that's amazing. I mean, how many Christians say that? That's amazing. Well, that's complete and total submission to the will of God. And if that doesn't make you a Christian, that's wonderful. What, a, what an amazing thought to have. Well, and, you know, I, I, I kind of think uh, that this... I don't think it's just me. You know, I think this occurs maybe sometime in a Christian's, a true Christian's life. It may be at the end of their life or, you know, in some form. I, I, I think this, this submission um, to his, his will, his, his judgment, his um, creating things however he wants to create them. And then doing whatever he wants with them. I mean, to me, it, it, it doesn't sound bizarre, but you know, to a lot of people, to a lot of people that either aren't Christians or maybe um, just don't, you know, don't know a lot of theology yet, it sounds bizarre because people think that people are the most important thing in the world. They think that <laughs> mankind is at the top. And and God is is beneath mankind is most important. So they they just they don't understand how how um they're they're mad about it that that God would well just uh yeah it's just coming to a point where where God I remember having a conversation with somebody that was having a real problem I'll say a uh, uh, someone who who grew up with this theology. Of, elect, of, of God being the first cause of all things and doing everything under the counsel of his own will, that, that means nobody else. That means 
God decides things from the counsel of God, <laughs> you know, not man. He had a real problem and, and his problem was he, he just, he just couldn't wrap his head around, um, that, that let's say half the people, we don't know like how many people are going to hell, how many people are going to heaven, but let's just say, you know, his, his argument was, it's just not right that, that he, that he, um, that he would either allow sin to enter in or cause sin, sin to enter in and then send half of the people to hell. And my response was, look, guy, <laughs> I won't say his name. Um, these people that you're so upset about that you're, you know, you're taking their offense, they don't belong to you. They belong to God. That that is that's just something that you either you either submit to or you don't. That God made everything. God created. It's it's God's deal. He can yeah. do whatever He wants. And, and then to be genuinely, you know, for that, for for God in whatever He does. I think we we can also. Um, I've I've haven't had that thought come to me that even if I'm in hell, God is right, which I would completely agree with. But I have had to deal with some unbelief in in my family. Um, thankfully, uh, it seems that it's no longer an issue. It's heartbreaking when we, when we contemplate God sending our loved ones to hell. And it's okay to be sad about that, certainly, uh, but it's not okay to question whether or not, whether yes. that's God doing right. And then I think there was a part of the, of the verses was said, you know, God will not be made a liar. Yes. And I'll, so he can't, he can't demand his perfection, per, perfect law be, be adhered to and then not judge it. Right. And, right. And make it water it down or provide a way or when, when ultimately then you know, in a way, Armenianism, Armenianism does make God a liar because he doesn't really fully judge, but he doesn't really fully save. He right. Just, he's not God in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on, on what you're saying about our loved ones, so in, we can say specifically our, our children. There was a sermon. I, oh, I, I wish I could find it. Henry Mahan. I wish I could find it, listen to it again. It was amazing. Um, it was all about basically Henry Mahan was saying how <laughs> over your lifetime, a Christian's lifetime, God will take things away from you one one by one. Um, he could take your spouse. He could take your children. He could take your job. He could take, you know, everything so that you will end up with Christ and Christ alone as, as far as your, your ultimate affection. Um, but then he talked about the, the wheat and the chaff, I think. And, oh, this was amazing. He said on this topic of like, maybe one of your, one of your children is not a Christian. Um, of course, like you're saying, I mean, you know, you can pray, you keep praying for him, but ultimately when Christ returns or, or, or the, the great judgment, at least at that time, you know, if I, and as heartbreaking as this is to think about now while we're living at that time, you will be right with God. It, if it ends up, you know, that one of, one of your children is, is not saved, 
you can bank on it that that you're going to be 100% in a with with God. So when I heard that that kind of helped me out thinking and 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 being okay with not having that feeling right now. Not having the feeling of, you know, oh yeah, praise God. Praise God. They're going to go to hell. Praise God. I, I I mean, I can't honestly say that I really have that feeling now, but I I will when I'm when I'm with the Lord. I'm going to be on the Lord's side no matter what, like like fully, so I can rest in that. When you say on the Lord's side, uh, you mean not, and when you say right with God, you don't mean that acceptable, which you will be. You mean in his camp. In his camp, Mentally, yes. Uh, and emotionally, yeah. With what he's, what's being done. Yes. Again, going to how mankind just thinks... We, we think of mankind first. We think mankind, I don't know if it's mankind up or mankind down, but we, we just, we think that, that what we've got going on is, is the most important. So when it comes to our children, we just think we own them. Like, like they belong to us. They really don't. Yeah. And every lost person that is going to go to hell has a mother and a father. We're all in the same boat. And, and, the, and we Christians would need to really submit to the Lord in that way and pray that they, if they're having trouble, that they, uh, that God will show them that the truth of his sovereignty and the truth of, of his goodness. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the first thing because I thought we were going to go from first, you know, the first of it to last, but this has been neat. So, um, but, but the, actually the main thing that I wanted to say was the first, the first part of his lesson. Okay. So, uh, this really worked out. This lesson in particular worked out. I, I'm happy that that um, that you that I was able to come on this lesson because I was wanting to be on a podcast um, for sure. Any anywhere between Romans one to um, Romans three pre twenty one twenty one pre Romans three twenty one mic drop earth shattering. But now it, it, cause I have a story and the story only works <laughs> for during the, judgment. during the judgment years and years and years ago, dad's doing a Bible study. It's the same Bible study that my husband, Daniel talked about when he was on and okay, just imagine this group of people and, and they are kind of, <laughs> they're kind of the same kind of people that dad actually describes in this lesson that we, that we just listened to. Um, the kind of Christ, the kind of Christians that the kind of, uh, religious people, um, that would, would die for the word of God being true. true. Um, but, but they don't really believe anything in it because, you know, whether they're getting bad teaching or they just refuse to believe what is clear. Um, now I, I am not to say, I can't say whether this, this group of people were Christians or not. They say they were Christians. My granny, my granny was in this group, you know, so it's, it's not for me to say whether they were or not, but I'm just saying these are, these are the potluck queens, you know, the, this is a small group of sweet, you know, older ladies and, and men. My granny's in this group and so this this group of people had been around Larry and his teaching, and from what I can remember, um, 
Now they didn't haul off and hit him, you know, <laughs> or act like they were going to hit him. But, but th there was time where I could tell they just, they didn't like, um, when dad would, would go, go in their words too far with, um, grace, you know, they, they, they were, they, and they kind of got on to him. Like they, they kind of tried to rein him in with talking about grace and even Jesus, like, like Jesus, they, they, they just, it was almost too much for him. Like, and, and of course, when, when I say Jesus, I'm talking about the kind of Jesus that dad taught who Jesus was, who Jesus is now. They almost didn't, they didn't really want to hear about, they want to hear about the potlucks <laughs> and not just the potlucks, but you know, um, things to do you know, Christ, quote, Christian things to do and, and um, pleasing God and how to live, you know, all that. So he does this Bible study, starts in Romans 1, and, you know, judgment. And he's going through all the different type of people. And at first, you know, you, you think you're in the clear, you know, <laughs> Yeah, that's just Paul's brilliance. Right, right. He just keeps at it and keeps at it. And yes. At it. And, and, and I can tell, and this is over the course of, you know, weeks. So week after week after week, and they're starting to get uncomfortable, this, this group of people. At first, I was fine because I, I know, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I know, well, but there's Jesus, you know. I mean, Jesus is going to take care of all this, all this judgment. And at the time, I thought I was a Christian because I'm Larry Horton's daughter. So I thought, well, I, you know, I'm good. I'm good. But <laughs> even me, even I was kind of like, oh, my God, Dad. Because what he would do, and, and this speaks to, this also speaks to how Larry Horton, there's some people that thought that Larry Horton would insert you know grace uh where it, where it it shouldn't be like they thought that he just he he let his theology come first and he would just make it fit in in, in any any thing he he was reading on whether it was old testament new testament law grace whatever he he just would cram grace in there this is a, a great example of how he did not do that. He pre he taught the text and the text only. So at the end of, of every one of these lessons, uh, uh, through one, uh, through Romans one, through Romans two, he never got there. He, he never got to Jesus. He let it, he let it lie. <laughs> you know, the, the, the restraint he had and 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 this is so neat because it was it was because of that restraint it was because he wasn't going to get there until he got there mm -hmm. he was not going to get to Romans 3:21 until he got to Romans 3:21 that is how my husband got saved because you know my husband heard this and he was convinced i am under the judgment mm -hmm. and you now he worked it all out you know, later, I mean, it, he, he was saved by that, but he was convinced by the end of the, by the end of, before we got to 321, that he was on his way to hell. 
And that that's what people that that's where people need to be to get saved. So the funny part is, you know, we're, you can just I can just see it that just the you know these these potluck queens are are squirming and they are not liking this. They are not liking all this judgment. Can I just ask real quick? Yeah, clarifying. So is it because as the closer they that Paul gets to three twenty one, it narrows in more and more uh, into people who were religious? Yes. Yes. Every, and especially, you know, right before 321, um, you know, there is no one that does good. No, not one. So big climax of the story, the, the funny part, <laughs> is one of them just couldn't take it anymore. And she goes, Larry. What about Jesus? You know, so the, the these 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 ladies that would you know shake their finger a little bit at Dad and, and try to rein him in from talking too much about Jesus and grace, they're at the point now saying, "Wait a minute, Larry, there's Jesus now. Give me some grace." Yeah, and 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 the the awesome thing about it is what dad's answer you would think he, he would say oh yeah yeah right yeah we've got our our mediator jesus christ we're gonna get to that he didn't say that he goes well that's not what that says okay uh, it's you know 7 30 we'll see you next see you next week i couldn't believe it it was awesome oh that is that is a great story and to to the person who is convicted the gospel is good news Right, right. So much better news than uh, a choice of chocolate or vanilla. A person who's convicted is going to appreciate his inability. A person who's convicted is going to hear good news and love it. A person who's convicted is going to hear grace and not put any kind of qualifiers on it. Because it's a true burden. Your your sins are truly a burden. It, you have to get to that point where they're a burden, because that's when Romans six is a comfort, but a relief, a relief, total relief. But now is a comfort. If you don't really truly understand how sinful you are, then none of this is as, is as impactful as it could be, or that it should be. What a relief it is too when you can understand or get teaching that it's not even. Um, uh, your Christian life moving forward uh, that it is your works that that um, that are going to continue uh, to have good fellowship uh, you know with God it doesn't depend on that it's easy for us to say man why do people fight it <laughs> why do people fight it so much it's it's a relief it's a relief to know that that God did it all and he's going to do it all he's gonna do he's gonna do it all he's gonna finish it he's gonna work it's his work it's his work and and that's why sometimes i i my unbelief is never i don't believe there's a god or that he i just can't believe that i'm one of the people i it's it's hard for me to grasp because it is so very very good there is another sermon that i haven't put up yet maybe this will be how we end he said in a sermon if if you teach a Sunday school class, he said in a sermon, teaching a Sunday school class 
should be a result of your genuine joy and happiness and excitement to teach a Sunday school class. If you teach a Sunday school class because one of those Jesus-loving ladies comes up to you and asks you if you would in a way that makes you think you should, then you have it backwards. Right, right. The life in you produces the good works. It's not the opposite. And we don't do good works in order, like you said, to to get my uh, charge up my batteries. So if if you don't like teaching a Sunday school class, you should never you shouldn't do it. If you don't want to sing in the choir, you shouldn't do it. Again, that scares people. Do you not trust right. that the Lord is going to work in you to will and to do for His good pleasure? Right. You're relying on yourself. You have not fully trusted your Christian life to the Lord. You've trusted Him with your salvation, but you haven't trusted Him to continue the work. Right. And 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 the things that are produced, the Holy Spirit produces in you being a Christian are easy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, do we have to try to love God's law? I'm not saying I'm not saying that we keep it, or, you know. Do you have to really think, well, do I love God's law? That's easy. It's it's easy to love um your brothers and sisters. It's easy because it's God producing it, not your flesh. We love to come to church. We love to be around um, others and we love to talk about what God has done. Right. Uh, This podcast has been uh, nothing but a pure joy for me. It it doesn't feel like uh, drudgery and uh, something that could make it feel drudgery like drudgery real quick is to start measuring. Yep. Did I have the right guest? How many people are listening? That then we we go right back under our own yeah. self-righteousness. Even um even if people listen or not, even if people who are close to me listen or not. You know, I fight that. No, that is not up to me. Right. And what did dad always say? I'm not the Holy Spirit's secretary. I don't do I don't do that in other people's lives. I have no business. Right. I have no business doing it in my own life. Yeah. Oh, amen. <laughs> oh, now that's, that's one, not even in my own life. I am not the Holy Spirit's secretary. That, that's a, a mind-blowing thought. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great discussion. Oh, you're welcome. It was really fun. And I'm going to start ending every episode with a quote. So this one is from J.R. Packer, J.I. Packer. Oh, before I do that, your daughter is the one who's going to be playing the piano, and she's just been lovely. Mandolin. Yeah. So thank you for, mm-hmm. in whatever way that you contributed to, you know, her talents. All I did was let her practice for six, seven hours a day if she wanted to. She, But she's good. It shows. This is from J.I. Packer. People treat God's sovereignty as a matter of controversy, but in Scripture it is a matter of worship.
Thank you for listening to the Timeless Gospel Podcast.